So tonight we're looking at this uh, phrase, the breaking of bread, and uh, in doing so, I'm going to have a very brief devotional tonight, and I'm hoping that you're going to participate uh, through uh, testimonies, etc. So as we look at this verse where it talks about breaking of bread, we need to ask ourselves, what does that mean? And there are two different suggestions as to what is meant by the breaking of bread in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Uh, some see that as the partaking of communion and emphasizing how the uh, communion was uh, participated in in various home churches. Others believe that it's a broader term for sharing meals in each other's homes. Uh, Daryl Bach has, I think, a very good discussion of this in his commentary, so I want to read it, and it says the following. The reference to breaking of bread appears only twice in the New Testament, here and in Luke 24:35, where it refers merely to table fellowship. It is unclear here whether the phrase refers to the Lord's Supper or it's a reference to taking some meals together of which the Lord's Supper was a part. The verb appears in Acts 2:46, 20 verse 7 and 27:35. In 2.46, the reference seems to be used broadly of meals, suggesting a broad use here as well, although 20 verse 7 appears to refer to the table on the first day of the week. What makes the choice hard to decide is that the Lord's table was part of a larger meal in the earliest church. Uh, most of the references in this context seem broad, which would suggest a broad reference here. Jerville argues that sacramental understanding of this term is not in view, given the generic Jewish understanding of the term. He also notes how verse 46 looks to a broader context for breaking of bread. Either way, the phrase suggests the intimate interaction and mutual acceptance that was a part of community life. Uh, I uh, think that it is the, the broader use, but uh, because that is somewhat debatable, I'm going to skip down in the text to Acts chapter 2, verse 46, where I think it's pretty clear that here we're talking about shared meals together. In Acts chapter 2, verse 46, it says, And day by day, entering the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received the food with glad and generous hearts. The background to 2.46 are verses... 43 and 44 and 45. Verse 43, And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Uh, that's the foundation for verse 46, this aspect of the people of God being together and the sharing of their possessions, the, the sharing of their properties, the sharing of their food stuff. And so with that in mind, I think it's pretty obvious that we're talking about these meals that were conducted in people's homes, uh, those that still had houses, and uh, they are supplying the needs of each other. Verse 45, and they were selling their possessions and belongings, and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. Then verse 46, and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. So we find out that the church was engaged in much more than simply worshiping together 
and then just going home. Uh, that their relationship to each other went beyond the gathering together for worship. Uh, I think that's an important element to keep in mind for so often uh, in church settings, um, that's what happens. People to come together for a morning service. A lot of times there's not an evening service. There's not a Wednesday night prayer meeting and different things. And so they gather together for an hour, an hour and a half on Sunday morning. And then there's very little interaction uh, beyond that. Uh, there isn't very much participation in the lives of each other. But we see that in the early church there was this uh, tremendous dedication to each other and commitment to each, each other's lives manifested in this uh, breaking of bread uh, in their homes uh, from house to house. And the foundation of that is that they received what came from God, in this instance food, with joy and gratitude. Or notice in verse 46, if you are using your Bibles, and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received the food with gladness. <clears throat> uh, they received the food with glad and generous hearts. Uh, in the book <clears throat> of uh, Exodus, God becomes very perturbed with the children of Israel because they grumbled and were dissatisfied with God's provision. Uh, they were given this miraculous manna to eat, but it wasn't long before they started complaining. Now, I don't know how many of us would want to eat the same thing uh, day in and day out. Uh, it probably was uh, monotonous, uh, like something else to eat. But, but in their displeasure, if you remember, uh, they thought about the land of Egypt. They wanted to go back there. They wanted to go back to, to Egypt because they said there we had onions, we had leeks, we had all these, these wonderful things to eat. And their stomachs began to rule over their hearts and their minds. Uh, the pleasures of earth became more significant than the deliverance uh, that they had experienced. They soon forgot about the uh, slavery that they had been uh, subjected to, uh, they forgot the harsh treatment, and they overinflated the joys that they had. It's important that we receive God's blessings with gladness, that we appreciate what God has done for us. And here in the, the church, uh, they are so thankful for what God has done for them that they are willing to part with many of the things that we hold very dear. They're willing to sell property. They're willing to give of their uh, material goods. Uh, They're willing to share their food, uh, all out of a, a heart of gladness for what they possess, not just materially, but spiritually, uh, what God had, had done for them. And then they're characterized not only with gladness, but generosity. Uh, this aspect of willingness to give, uh, a willingness to share what they had. Uh, they weren't greedy. Uh, they weren't trying to hold on to their possessions. Uh, 
but they were generous. Um, in the book of Corinthians, uh, it tells us that we ought to be cheerful givers, that we ought to be happy. Uh, blessed are those that, uh, that give, uh, that uh, riches are determined not by what we don't have, but rather by what we do have. So often it is that we think about what we don't have rather than focus our attention on what we do have. So here's the church, and they're, they're focusing their attention on what they have. And in their generosity, they are willing uh, to share. With the attending results in verse 47 is that they're praising God. They're giving thanks to God. They are appreciative of what God is doing in their midst. And that is a very important element in a healthy church, uh, one of which we are praising and thanking God for what he is doing in our midst, that we, our eyes aren't closed to that, that we don't just grumble and complain, but, but we're aware of his goodness, how he's providing, how he's benefited us, how mutually uh, the life of the church has, has been effectual uh, for uh, our well-being. And then it says the second outcome was that um, not only were they uh, praising God and thankful, but they were having favor with all the people. Acts 2.47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And there it's the people outside the church. As people looked upon this early church, it's not going to be long before they're persecuted, but on the day of Pentecost and shortly thereafter, as people are witnessing the interconnectedness and the interrelatedness of the people of God, uh, the outside world was envious. That there is a community here that is so different from anything that they had, had witnessed or experienced. Um, a large part of a, a church's reputation is the way in which the people of God interact with each other, uh, the way that they show respect for one another, the way in which they demonstrate their committedness to one another. Uh, case in point is the Corinthian church. When you think about the church of Corinthia, what do you think of? Division, strife. That's what they're known for. Uh, that's the image that, that comes to mind. And so often, that is the case. A lot of people come to, to church from backgrounds in which there's a tremendous amount of division, uh, animosity. Uh, people not getting along. And they're looking for a place where they can fit in, where they can enjoy relationships to one another, and in which they have a sense of belonging and enjoy this uh, pleasant 
oasis in the midst of a, a pretty corrupt and miserable world. Uh, that is very attractive. And uh, so I am thankful for the unity that uh, we do experience, uh, for the commitment that God's people have to one another, and for these opportunities that we have of, of gathering together. And I, I just like to, to highlight uh, a couple of them uh, for you tonight. And one of the unique aspects of the life of our church is our fellowship meal that takes place uh, the first Sunday of every month. Now here is a Bible fellowship, Lebanon Bible fellowship trivia question. I know a few of you know the answer to this, but I would submit that probably the majority don't. What was the impetus for starting what is now known as Fellowship Sunday? That was not what it was called back then. I'll go into that. But what was the impetus? Why did Fellowship Sunday start? How many people know? Raise your hand good and high. All right. So we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people about. Okay. Those of you who know, why, why did it start? Gas prices and the gas crisis. Uh, when uh, we were asked to uh, conserve energy uh, back in the 70s. Remember, remember, I keep forgetting how old I am. Uh, many of you uh, can remember the gas lines of the 70s, and I know some of you weren't even born yet. All right. But <clears throat> there was a time in this nation where there was a gas crisis and there were these long lines, and uh, we were asked to conserve energy, and with that came a desire to do just that. And so one Sunday a month, uh, they were going to have a uh, noon meal together, uh, followed by a service. And that service uh, originally ran to 3 o'clock. So that was a long day. Uh, there was a children's program that went on, uh, and the adults had a time of discussion. And uh, so in those days, it was called Discussion Sunday, right, which meant that you were going to have a time of discussion uh, after uh, the morning uh, worship and then the meal, and then you had this time of discussion. Those of you who know me know that I'm not a very good discussion leader, and I tend to uh, lecture, and so eventually we changed the name from Discussion Sunday to Fellowship Sunday because we weren't discussing. <laughs> okay, and so we became Fellowship Sunday, and the time frame moved from 3 o'clock to 2 o'clock, and then eventually uh, we decided not to have the after service but we would stop with the noon meal. <clears throat> but I say all that because there was an interesting evolution of thought that went into that whole discussion and process. All right, so that what started off initially as a means of conserving energy and uh, 
being submissive to government that wants us to save money, uh, save uh, uh, energy, et cetera, et cetera. What started off as that impetus ended up with really a desire for fellowship, and there was a recognition of the value of that time together, long after the gas crisis was over, there was still the value of, of having that, that time. That, that proved to be of worth. And it proved to be of such worth that it was okay not to have something afterwards. We didn't have to have something that equated to an evening service because it was sufficient in and of itself to have that time of fellowship. Follow my drift? Okay, that, that there was a recognition that, that that itself was of value and of importance and of worth. <clears throat> History behind another, and that is uh, uh, the campfire service. The campfire, I believe, started in 1984. It might have started in 1985. It was... Shortly after I came in the 83, uh, discussion Sunday was already in place because that happened in the 70s. Right? I came in 83, and one of the things that we desired to do was to look at how we could establish some traditions in the life of the church that would be really meaningful, uh, that uh, you could look back upon with fondness and create a tradition that even after people had left, maybe they would want to come back for, you know, something that would be reoccurring. And uh, as we brainstormed about that, we came up with the idea of a campfire service, of having this service once a year, always on the same date, in which we would create a, an experience that would be memorable, that you could look back upon as you'd grown up and and think through uh, those uh, past campfire services and, and et cetera, so that you'd have this combined memory and appreciation and uh, partnership in this, this uh, fellowship, as, as it were. Um, we had the guests who's coming to the picnics uh, as a way of getting people in each other's homes and uh, being involved. So, there was a lot of intentionality. And this comes down to today in, here we are, we're building this big facility. Uh, and one of the primary impetuses, that's correct, that's, that's the plural of impetus, okay. Uh, one of the primary impetuses was the fact that Fellowship Hall on Fellowship Sundays was overcrowded. And I don't know if you're aware of it, but it isn't uncommon for people to not stay for Fellowship Sunday because of how crowded it is. Uh, sometimes there's not a place for people to sit and uh, scrambling and uh, we can set tables up in other rooms, etc. But, uh, you know, people will see that it's crowded and they'll, they'll just, just leave. Uh, so we don't want to see that happen a lot. We want people to be participating, et cetera. And so we're building a, a building that is primarily 
for gathering together, meals and sporting events and activities, uh, and that is legitimate. That is a value. That is of worth. Uh, that is an important part of the life of our church. YF, all right? Uh, so that the, the social interactions, uh, the uh, adult lively fellowship, those things are all significant, of value, of worth, and in that sense, spiritual. For they are helpful in people's spiritual vitality, of keeping people together, understanding each other's hardships, difficulties, uh, getting to know people better, of interacting. So, I have a couple other thoughts, but I'd like to stop at this point. Uh, and uh, we've got a handheld mic. And as I said, I'm not great at leading discussion, hence we don't have discussion Sunday anymore. Uh, so I don't know how to lead this discussion, but I'd like for testimonies about uh, what some of these events mean to you or maybe a significant uh, conversation or uh, experience you had uh, that you felt welcome. Maybe it was the first thing you were introduced to life of the church was the campfire service. Somebody invited you or you invited somebody. Anything that, that deals with the, that big picture. I'd love to hear from you. Okay, uh, Cece. Azure's gonna. That's right. She's allowed to run in church. Not everybody is, but Azure is. Okay, okay. So, yes. I just wanted to share how much I liked the guess who's coming to the picnic gatherings because you don't know who you're going to be with. And many, I don't know how many times we've done that now, but. I've always gotten a chance to get to know people at a different level that I might not normally be in their circles. And so it's nice to get to know people that way, and I, I've always liked that. People I get to know um, on a more personal level than just who I see in church. Okay. And uh, may I just throw out there, and we can add Pinebrook to this discussion as uh, we think about uh, uh, having a week of which we encourage so many people of our uh, church to get together and uh, enjoy uh, the Word of God together and different uh, activities, etc. at Pinebrook. So. I, uh, stand up, stand up. So oh, people can see your yeah, smiling old. face. Uh, for those of you guys who know me, um, uh, I accepted the Lord back in 92 at the rescue mission, but... Uh, this is the time when uh, Paul and Jenny and the toppings were all coming. And, uh, and I just remember Paul inviting me to uh, come to church here, and so I'd come with the family. Uh, but I just remember one of the big things that really made an impact on me, because I think one of the very first memories, one of the first memories that I have was uh, going to, what's it called, South, South Park, South Central, what do they call that? South Hills, South Hills Park, and uh, they had a picnic out there. But I just remember that that made a 
a big impact on me because we had so much fun, got to know a lot of the people in the church, and of course that compelled me to keep coming to church here, uh, and of course went on to Bible college and got to know even more people here, uh, and just it was a great impact on myself because at that time I was living on the street, and if those of you guys haven't lived on the street before, if you don't know what it's like, uh, you don't want to know what it's like. But uh, when people share with you, they don't do that much with people on the street. And so uh, it made a huge impact on my life. And I would encourage you to continue uh, that great fellowship. Thank you. Put your hand up good and high so Azure can see you. As CC was talking, I was thinking about Pinebrook, and Pastor didn't mention Pinebrook, so I thought, well, I can't say anything. But then, of course, he said Pinebrook. But Pinebrook is probably my most enjoyable week of the year. I know my kids always enjoyed it. Uh, Ryan always said he, if he, we always usually went to the beach and then we went to Pinebrook, and he said he'd rather give up the beach than give up Pinebrook. So it's really a, was an enjoyable time for the, for the kids. But probably my most enjoyable time is in the evening after the services. We, we sit around, we play games, and just, just talk, and you have a week to do that. It's just a time of sweet fellowship. And for those of you who have, who have never been there, if you want to get to know Pastor Reed in a whole different level, <laughs> that's where you want to do it. I mean, it's just, a, it's just a different experience that you don't get to see in church here. <laughs> so I would, I would recommend it to anybody who really wants to get to know Pastor Reed in a, in a different level. Yeah. There's a lot of things I have to live down when it comes to Pinebrook, but, but, but we have a good time. I think one of the things that makes Pinebrook really neat and unique is the extended time that you have with people. So you're able to share stories into the late night, you know, night after night after night. And that kind of made me think back to something you'd said before. I don't know if it was in an elders meeting or here about how when you're serving with people, I mean, that's some of the best fellowship you have. So when we went on the JARS mission trip, I don't know how many years ago, we really got to know some of those people that were going along with the trip. And the people that were in youth fellowship um, serving as a youth leader, it's like I, I see those same people here, Barry and Vicky and Charlie and Tara and everybody who has served as a youth leader, but it's not the same. You know, when you're, when you're, those were fellowship events, but when you serve with people time and time again, you get to know them better and everything, and I think it's that extended period of time that uh, you benefit from. Anyone else? 
Just out of curiosity, was anyone uh, introduced to the life of the church, first of all, by being invited to one of those kinds of fellowship kind of activities? Okay, Clay. Anybody else? Somebody raising their hand? Over here? Whoa, oh, Kevin. Okay. All right. So now, now that you raised your hand, now you have to speak. Okay. <laughs> All right, I kind of feel obligated now. Um, but I was in college at the time and kind of pushing the age limit of YF, but I was invited to a coffee house, and that's where I met Heidi. Oh, okay. You know, snow glow is over, so I can say this now, all right? But uh, there's a lot of value to these, these social activities. Uh, personal testimony about my wife and my relationship. Okay. Uh, we started dating as a result of a Christmas program practice. Uh, we both attended the uh, Blandon Bible Fellowship Church and we had a, a Christmas program practice and it was over and she my wife came up to me and said, I need a way home. Would you mind taking me home? And I said, I'll be happy to take you home. And uh, so she pursued me ever since. <laughs> I can say that because she's not here tonight. All right. So she's in Coopersburg. They're having a, a, a night of uh, celebrating uh, Pastor Shorb's uh, ministry. He's retiring. Uh, from the Coopersburg Church, so she is there. Uh, their family is very dear to us. So anyway, we started dating as a result of a Christmas program practice. Uh, we um, started going steady, whatever that terminology is today, uh, if there is such thing. Uh, but uh, we became more committed to each other at a snow glow. Uh, and then we decided to get married when we were working together at Victory Valley. So we have a real Bible fellowship relationship, right? Uh, so all of these uh, activities and ministries have a special place in our relationship. And so I say that because I don't want all the teens to hook up at Snow Glow, but especially Amy, but... <laughs> She's getting old enough now that I can pick on her. Uh, my family used to hate when I would pick on them. Uh, but, uh, okay. Other thoughts, comments? Thank you, Kevin. Yes, Donna. I just remembered way back when we used to have ladies' spring banquet. And that was one place that I could bring my unsaved aunts. I brought a couple, and, and through that, Aunt Shirley started to come, and Greg Pence. And it was just a good way to ease it in, and praise the Lord they came. Yes, yes. Um, and uh, those uh, retreats that we used to have, those were, were great. Yes, uh, any other uh, Remembrances or thoughts?
I'm not going to draw this out. Any anyone else? I'm I'm just going to close if we don't have anybody else. But uh, shouldn't have said that. Now nobody will speak. But uh, anyone? Yes. Brian. I know you didn't mention these um, activities, but um, I got to know a lot of people in church through uh, the softball program. Uh, so the sports programs that the church funds and is affiliated with is a great way to fellowship with uh, uh, members of the church, and not only members of the church, but also members of other churches. And it's a great way to share the gospel with, with people. I know the, the softball program allows five non-churchgoers to join the teams. So that's also a great way to uh, involve them in that as well. And uh, the other one that was very special to me was uh, day camp, uh, being able to be uh, involved with that and uh, being able to work side by side, as someone else mentioned uh, Pastor Dave, about working together uh, is a special way to uh, fellowship with others as well. Thank you. Anyone else? All right, well, so thank you. I uh, appreciate uh, your being here tonight. Thank you for those that have participated. And uh, the... Uh, familial aspect of being brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ is, is really precious. Um, it's a large part of what it means uh, to be a people of God. And so uh, I thank you all. I thank you for uh, your impact uh, upon our lives. And as I think of my children growing up, uh, I am so thankful for um, the impact that so many people had on my children. They were Sunday school teachers and, and uh, their friends and uh, people that were older than they and my curb, uh, throwing my kids around and uh, going uh, uh, sledding with them, etc. And uh, Jack Galley told me that uh, what sold him on attending our church was that uh, I used an illustration in my sermon one time uh, saying that uh, the reason that I stayed at the church for such a long time is that I wanted my children to grow up in this church. Uh, that was true. And he thought that that was impressive, that, uh, that I would think that much of the people that I wanted my children to grow up in this church. And I did. And I'm thankful that they grew up in this church because I'm thankful for you and the impact that it's had on my family and the blessings to the third generation. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for our brothers and sisters in Christ. I thank you, Lord, for our mutual commitment. I thank you for our unity. Uh, I thank you for the genuine concern that exists and I pray that you would just foster that more and more. Uh, Lord, help us to help one another, to be praying for each other, to be encouragement, encouraging to one another, to be glad and to be thankful for your many blessings that we enjoy. 
Lord, help us to see the preciousness of what we have. And may we not take it for granted, but may we recognize your good hand at work in our midst. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, and we are dismissed.